This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from the perspectives of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, funny enough, I didn't think it would come this quickly, but Turkey launched an offensive in Syria. So remember yesterday we were talking about this? The big story was that Trump was pulling troops out of Syria. And I said, isn't this funny? There's this little side note uh, in order to make way for a Turkish offensive that nobody seems to pick up on. So when it came out this morning, just breaking news, actual breaking news, as opposed to my new favorite expression of yours, Binkley, breaking tweets and rumors. But uh, the so I, and CNN, I heard it's so nuts that the liberals can be outraged they even, I don't even want to call them liberals anymore. It's like too good a word for them. The propagandists from the left are coming out with the, this, this outrage and they have to always couch it in the terms of compassion. Like the compassionate war is how they get around these wars not being defensive or having no moral justification whatsoever. So the CNN chick says, uh, Turkey launched an offensive against U.S. allies in Syria immediately after Trump removed U.S. troops. So the idea is that we abandoned, and that's the the word they're using, we abandoned them. And they're just, they're always little details that seem to change the narrative. So I'm going to give you the details I understand First of all, Johnny Cook had tweeted to me uh, immediately when this started, a few days ago. He said, what difference could 50 or 100 troops make? And I, and people immediately responded, it's 2,000. And then I looked into it, I was like, it is, there are 2,000 troops in Syria. But I didn't understand, and I went back because I saw on Ron Paul Institute a reference to what Johnny Cook was saying. So he's not only not withdrawing 2,000 troops from Syria— Trump is not withdrawing any troops from Syria. Does that surprise you, Binkley? Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. That's not the news. Right. What he's actually doing is taking 50 to 100 troops that are right there on the border where Turkey is wants to invade and moving them elsewhere in Syria, which flies in the face of two other sub-narratives that we're hearing today. One is that the Kurds, in order to repel this incursion by the Turks, have to abandon their guarding of ISIS prisoners in the interior of Syria. Now, since we're just moving our troops and we still have 2,000 troops in Syria, I think we could take over guarding captured ISIS prisoners and why we can't just drone them. Why draw the line on droning ISIS prisoners? We drew... Anwar al-Awlaki and his son and other innocent people nearby, U.S. citizens, at least al-Awlaki was a citizen, was droned by Obama, no problem. So I don't want people to be droned, but there's something not right about that narrative. And in any case, we have 2,000 troops. I would suggest they put them on ISIS. And... The other thing is that this is Trump actually saying, I'm keeping campaign promises. I'd say I'd bring the troops home, but he's not bringing them home. And that is not the, that's not what we're looking for in a campaign promise. And all of this reinforces to me that there is an ulterior motive in all this and that it's designed to fail. And we are meant to go back in there to rescue the allies we abandoned. 
Yeah. And there's one thing to watch out for. Turkey is asking for they're they're saying, oh, Erdogan's going to have to call Trump because the Pentagon is can't won't agree to getting out of our way. We're going to need air air support here, and if we can't get permission from the U.S. to fly our jets over here, we're going to have problems. So we're going to call Trump directly because the Pentagon is not on board with this. So this is Trump personally and single handedly defying all the wisdom from the military to the politicians and going out there to simply pander to his base or or whoever it is that he's supposedly keeping this campaign promise to. So it makes him look either crazy, hot-headed, shrewd, but in any case, self-indulgent or self-serving and not in any way executing a strategy of foreign policy that is totally consistent with our historical and future strategy, regardless of party in power. Yeah, I saw a CNN commentator, a military guy, talk about how he didn't like the move because Trump was removing the tripwire forces. That's so messed up. And that actually was in Johnny Cook's original tweet. He said, were they just there to get hit? Yeah. To start problems? And you do you remember the Propaganda Report episode number where you brought that whole tripwire concept to reality in a big way in the here and now? I believe it's episode 184, but I will include it in the show description. Okay, great. Because that was, to me, the most fascinating little tidbit because it was today. It was these guys, these military operations guys, these intel guys, propaganda guys, talking about putting real people in harm's way in the hopes that real damage will be done to provoke the American public to support a policy that their principles will not allow. Yeah, I believe Rand Paul referred to as tripwire. That might have been what... uh... Oh, Maybe he listens to your show, to our Possibly. show, but to your analysis. Possibly. He probably values that. Well, we have an update. If you're wrapped up with yep. Siri, we have yep. an, an update on the impeachment, Ukrainian, Biden, Trump, whatever you want to call Whistleblower. it. Whistleblower. Yeah. Can't we just call it the Watergate scandal? Watergate scandal. They, <laughs> I thought of you because I saw someone yesterday actually say that the Trump transcript is the, the leaked tapes the Nixon leak tapes, and I know that you had you had brought up that I, comparison earlier. I found that I anticipated that simply when the word "rough" was inserted before the word "transcript" from the beginning. I was like, "Rough transcript? That's disputable. That's debatable. This is going to be a question of fact, a question for the for the videotape, right? Or the audio and tape." Part of the case. story now, yesterday and today, has been about how. The effort to quickly try and cover up and bury the transcript to, to make it seem as though the transcript is more damning than it might seem on the surface. There's been a lot of that going on. All of these outside whistleblowers who their information somehow makes the transcript more damning than it is. The fact they tried to cover it up, even though now it's released, it's now more damning than it is. So that was a major part of the story today. It reminds me of the Papa John thing. Because if they actually released the audio, it would have been crystal clear that that guy was defending the uh, common courtesy and good taste of not using racial slurs that they were insisting he used. Like, I feel, and you predicted yeah. 100% that we would never hear that audio 
And you were right. We never heard that audio. And and I think that may go to this, where never hearing the audio leaves that art of ambiguity in play. Yeah, and they have these whistleblowers. One of the people, apparently, in the memo that he, he memorialized after the phone call, somebody who was listening in on the phone call, he was just shaken, deeply shaken and shook and terrified and dis- d- deeply disturbed by all these ridiculous word nobody nobody's sitting here going wow i i'm really deeply disturbed by that phone call that just happened they shouldn't even be in but in the halls of power but this so james comey like ran to his car and wrote it all down you know is this going to be another like i had to just write it all down and it sounds like i threw my tears i could barely see i mean excuse the teardrops that blurred the ink i just these are all very emotionally unstable people who are working (laughs) meanwhile did you ever did you ever hear the air traffic control tape from the sully plane landing on the hudson river i don't know on the hudson you would recall so if you didn't hear the real one i highly recommend it this, the air traffic control guy, I, I mean, he was just, and Sully too, of course, but these guys are rock solid. Like it will, it will make you, it will bring you to tears to hear the measured two-way communication of these guys as Sully's like, uh, can't talk right now. I'm going to land the plane in the river. And the guy's like, okay, all right, let me, um, let me just uh, check on a couple of other airports. No, going yeah. in the river. Yeah. So then, so then the air traffic control guy is going around to different people saying, "Do you see anything in the river?" And they're just like, "No, you know, seven thirty-seven heavy. No, you know." And and uh, and the guy is clearly in a complete pain. He couldn't go to work for like two months after that. Yeah. And he told his his wife was like, "How are you? Are you okay?" And he said. I had an accident and she thought he was in an accident. Like that's how, and he just could not communicate with her. He went home. But I'm just saying in, in stressful circumstances to do your job, you have to be cool. Yeah. And, and that's just like my husband met Mick Jagger once in the course of business, but he had to go up to him. It was a long time ago. I had to go up to him and he said, he said, he came up he said, hi, my name is Mick to my husband and he was like what i know what your name is but i was like wow is that like the coolest thing that ever happened to you and he's like no you have to actually like not let your mind wander to like yeah. this is the coolest thing that ever happened to me yeah. and you have to be like okay this is what the numbers look like and blah 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 i mean you just simply can't you bring say, emotions yeah. you go mick who oh Nice yes, you. right. Well, can we please dispense with the niceties? We have numbers <laughs> to talk about, you know, but I'm just saying like you have to just be rock solid. And it, in this all this, you know, Trump wanted to wanted prostitutes to pee on him in the bed that Obama slept in. It's just not how it works. These guys are not getting emotionally involved. If they got emotionally involved, they would not be successful. That's part of what Solinsky and Bernays and all these propagandists talk about is not getting emotionally bound by the ideology or whatever it is, the group that you're leading, because that'll enable you to be controlled instead of controlling them. Oh, that's interesting. And that's why you've told us that the communists like purge the commies first thing. Yeah. yeah. And Solinsky would say, like, even if your plan doesn't work or you end up kind of seeming wrong, just turn it around on the other guy, make lemonades, like just don't right. even 
And that's how it works. And that's what they're all masters at. They are masters at that. And there's further developments with this story as well. It had the impeachment story. It has the turn that is taken now is last night, Trump, the White House lawyer sent a letter to Pelosi saying that they will not cooperate with the impeachment inquiry. Because so all the subpoenas are not going to come, not going to do whatever. And the reason they give is they say it's unconstitutional. They say it violates his due process, and they point to the fact that they have not actually voted on voted on the impeachment inquiry in Congress, and they don't intend to vote on it. And the reason they don't intend to vote on it is because they say they do not have time for the legal processes of it, and that's the point of the whole thing. That's why you don't actually vote on it because it causes it to be put under scrutiny. Well, a couple of things. Did they mention that this executive privilege idea that was trotted out by Nixon and I believe did go to the Supreme Court at that time? That's going to I predicted that that would be an, an element of this. So it doesn't sound like I didn't hear them. I heard the story you're talking about just on the news and I didn't hear any mention of executive privilege. But the constitutional crisis thing was Watergate was a constitutional crisis because you had to decide who had authority to compel Nixon to provide information that was garnered in the course of business and may have national security implications. That's part of the question now is how much power does Congress have? And versus, yeah, because, it's the same issue. Right, same thing. And, and Trump and them say they, they want to be able to cross-examine witnesses and do all everything with due process, which is obviously what the the other side wouldn't want to do. And yeah, so this is the question. Who The left says that they, they, they do have the power to subpoena and, and that this is obstruction of justice. And in and of itself, this is impeachable. It's obstruction of Congress. So another impeachable thing has been tacked on. This idea that there's no time for process, whose idea? that's what the Democrats are saying? Yes. All right, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous because there's no time. Why no time? Because they have an election right. to conduct? That's exactly, I mean, that's exactly that, why. It's about that's, public opinion. It's about getting people riled up, raising money, pressuring people. And it's, I mean, because the election is the process, by the way. Right. The election is the process. So, like, everybody knows what's going on here. And what they're going to say is they don't really know how deep it goes. Like, that was the Watergate thing, because let's not forget, he was elected in, an, in a, basically a landslide after the scandal broke and because nobody cared or not enough. Yeah. I had the funniest thing. Can I give you a little uh, side note on the, on the, on the whistleblower story? Remember a couple of days ago I said Bill Barr, it was Monday, I believe, Bill Barr was on – the in the paper as having contacted other foreign leaders directly instead of going through intelligence to intelligence which is exactly what obama did in exactly this case to talk about trump alleged collusion well yes uh so i've thought this i was noodling around the ron paul institute today which is always fun and i don't do it often enough but uh it it was le- openly mocking Mark Warner, my least favorite congressman, Cong- well, senator, whatever. Yeah, he's a D-bag. Total. And he said, I mean, through and through, from the beginning to the present day. So he said, this is what they were laughing at. This is his quote. I don't even have to embellish it. Can you imagine, Mark Warner, this is Mark Warner quote, can you imagine if the CIA was asked to provide damaging evidence on a political opponent in Australia, there would be outrage in our political establishment. (laughs) (laughs) 
basically the Ron Paul commentary was, you know, and there was much mockery and ridicule that the CIA doesn't do that all the time. Not to mention we have an agreement to do all of that yeah. all the time with Australia. I mean, yeah. That's the story. But they report <sighs> that they go on CNN and you mentioned yesterday the there was a video or something that's showing how like everybody on CNN and MSNBC is like former CIA, former FBI, which is like Project Mockingbird. That's what it was, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say these things like that, which are perfectly normal, but their audience does not realize is normal. <laughs> one thing they said that just I never listened to CNN today was like, you know, whatever, opposite day, I guess. For me, I started doing things I don't normally do. I listened to CNN. And the guy was saying, what was he saying? Oh, he was saying, I don't understand why this is a Democrat versus Republican thing when really it should be. Americans who care about the rule of law versus Trump. (laughs) (laughs) They always want to make it like so objective that only an idiot would. Speaking of only an idiot, I have a funny little when you want to move on. The the last thing, the the comment that I have about that really is that this is going to be the ongoing battle is who determines the rules of impeachment. And they're going to, it's designed to fail. In my opinion, it's designed to get people among other things to get people involved and to donating and to protesting because the more anger and the more like, wow, he's just blatantly, blatantly abusing his power. The more they can engage activism and get people controllable and manipulatable when Trump wins. And I think he will, which will enable them to, you know, continue to do whatever whatever it is they're, they're doing with this activism. And well, I see the same thing on every single network. It's unbelievable. CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, it, they, they all say the same thing. It's mind-boggling. They just repeat it over and over again. There's a, a very serious issue underlying this, though, which when you talk about they're arguing about who sets the rules – They don't have time for process. This goes to a trend that we've talked about many times, but it's really serious that when, when they, uh, we have like it or not conservatives, liberals, libertarians, whatever, like it or not, we have had a stable political system, stable political system. I don't like how it's migrated to unconstitutionality and all that. That is not good. And that has always been, Make having unconstitutional laws were done by unconstitutional means, in my opinion. All of that, but the process, the stability, the rule of law. I have seen cited many, many times that the essence, the the single greatest factor uh, promoting American prosperity or Western prosperity is rely is to be able to rely on contracts to actually be able to rely on enforcing an agreement. So relying on enforcing agreement means you you invest in a world that you can predict so you can calculate the value of those investments. And even if the rules are unfair, you can work with them. Somebody told me once, a Croatian dude said, Capitalism, which I totally disagreed with at the time, and I still do, but it's really a, just a semantical question. But he said capitalism is knowing the rules and capitalizing on them, <laughs> which is one way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a funny little play on words. But so 
when you have process that they are openly ignoring, and we've seen this with protests, with encouraging Parkland kids to go bananas, with the people at the Stacey Abrams saying Stacey versus Stacey and just shout her down and all that. We don't want to violate the process, but the process isn't working for us. It's like, well, we set the rules in advance, and yeah. they have been the subject of tug and war, uh, tug of war, of back and forth, of mainly adjudication, legislation, uh, judicial review. These are in place over centuries, have evolved over centuries, and they work. And even resolving election issues like with Trump, with the hanging chad, yeah, there might have been corruption. But there was a process, and following the process, they should have rooted out the corruption, and corruption shielded the corruption, probably. I don't know for sure. But but the process kept us from violence. And I don't think violence would have brought us any closer to rooting out that corruption. I think if we had continued along the process, we probably would have discovered that corruption. But I, I feel like this all plays into intentionally destabilizing us when, and acting like we're more polarized when, in fact, we're less polarized. Yeah. The Democrats are screaming for war in Syria, and the Republicans have uh, 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 suspended the sequester. Yeah. So I this this you know they always multitask, right? And that they're it, multitasking yeah. hard. And it feels like they're setting up democracy to fail in the eyes of a major part of the public, so that they will be willing to do some of those. Democracy failed oh. now. Got to do what we got to do. Yes. And you know what it is? Oh my gosh. Light bulb. You're completely right. You know what it is that is going to replace it. What? One of the chicks that you gave a clip of was talking about it. And the way she said it didn't put oh. the name on it. Remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, like Athens. Was that you talking about the Brookings? Yes, clip? she said, like, you should find that clip because I think it's really got something meaty in there that maybe we didn't fully grasp, although we grasped it somewhat. But they were, they're going to replace it with technocracy. Right. It's just technocracy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know this is not a new concept, but, like, I'm not – maybe we've closed this circle before, but I just really see it now. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I just – all the little noisy possibilities of all the option tree that this could be leading. I mean, it's clo the circle's closing, like – and 5G is is the panopticon, you know, yeah, is the thing in yeah. the middle that makes, in. and it's just, and that's what's going to monitor it. And so they're going to have a reformed kind of democracy, Stacey Abrams style, where it's going to, it's going to be shrouded in a lot of uh, touchy feely human identity stuff, but in fact, it's going to be cold ones and zeros that can be changed at the flip of a switch. Yeah. And I mean, the, the de democracy will will then be a complete, utter illusion with no uh, with without even requiring that those who would hijack it even work that hard. Right. So all you have to do at that point is take your oligopoly, your Republicans and your Democrats, and they can just split up the booty. They're like, why? You don't have a price war in an oligopoly. You share the market. Yeah, that's like an economic principle. So these guys, I think that's that this all plays into that. But of course, you know, it's 3D chess. There are a lot of people who are really engaged in this thing right here. I mean, a lot of people, almost everybody, very few people are really that high level. But that's why they can let everybody play, play a, a not nicely in the public arena yeah. and put people who really believe it in there. Anyway, there you go.
little light bulb moment because we haven't yeah. done a propaganda no, report right. in I'm, a couple I'm, of weeks. I I'm need trying to. to remember how they described that. I'll have to go back and find it. Yeah, go it, find the clip right. again or, you know, we can find what episode it was in. Sorry to hijack. This is why we no, have you, to. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's yeah. that's what they're talking about. I just can't remember the name of it. Yeah, yeah, I know. We'll get to it. So I wanted to do breaking tweets and rumors. Oh, right. Breaking tweets and rumors. New segment. <laughs> Today's breaking. Boy, that could take up the whole show. That's right. There's a lot of breaking tweets and rumors as they make up all of the news today in this day and age. Hillary Clinton, in a response to Trump, who kind of kind of dared Hillary Clinton to run for president uh, instead of Elizabeth Warren, and Hillary Clinton tweeted saying, "Don't tempt me to run." So keep and yeah. Warren, you know why Warren Warren's on the ropes because she said she got fired for being pregnant, and the record. So she didn't. Yeah. That I, was today's news. It. So here's a funny thing about the tweets, though. I was reading an article in the B section today. See, today was opposite day. I never go to the B section <laughs> of the journal. The real problem for central bankers is us by James McIntosh. And he talks about how people want Christine Lagarde, the EU central banker, whatever she's going to be, to come out and start tweeting to people because in order to manipulate the, po- the population into borrowing more and spending more. They have to believe inflation is coming. So if you think inflation is coming, you want to spend money now when prices are lower. So you'll borrow money to do it, especially at lower rates. But it doesn't work if you can't brainwash them. And their IQs are too low to actually understand the news. So she should tweet the way Trump does. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So then I realized, like, I mean, it's not like, again, it's not like this is a revelation, but sometimes just putting it into a sentence can clarify it. Yeah. That somebody might have written an article just like that, an internal memo to Trump Inc. and said, hey, we need to manipulate people into war and deficits. Let's get a, a team Trump tweet. And just make sure that and and a targeted to low IQ people by putting in spelling errors and this and that, and you can you can get the uh, you know this is another like um, you know what do you call it of uh, of democracy like a corruption of democracy mm-hmm. intentional in my yeah. opinion subversion. Yes, exactly, exactly, subversion. Not that I'm a fan of democracy, mind you. I'm a fan of objective law, individual liberties, and personal responsibilities on all issues at all times. It bothers me how they – see, now I'm going to use one of these words I I hate – conflate democracy with a democratic republic. Oh, that's also true, and that is a big Atlanta peeve because Neil Boris used to hammer that home. So I can't tell you how many times I've gotten phone calls like, "You're you shouldn't use the word democracy," but but they have made it. That's why we have unconstitutional laws yeah. because they appeal to the demos to support it, and they get away with it. Yeah, you know. Plus, because the judiciary, in my opinion, should not be allowed to opine on the constitutionality of. Of the congressional law, the states should just ignore them, and they could until they did after the Civil War, so the Federal Department of Justice was created. 
Yeah. It, after the Civil War. Yeah. I mean, that's a very, like, I noticed that. And I, oh, I noticed that. No, I just mean, like, I'm, you're not hearing that every day. It right. was quite an observation because I was trying to figure out where the, why can't we just do state nullification? Yeah. And you would, except for they, when you did, they put that in. It was right after the Civil War. Who's going to, what do you, what was anybody going to do about it then? Right, you know, yeah. everybody was on their heels. They started that narrative really. Start not, I mean, start not started it, but they started hitting it hard after Hillary lost when they created the narrative about how Hillary won the popular vote and therefore she really is kind of the rightful president. And I think these messages are targeting mostly younger what, people. What? What are you saying? What did they start? When they she... started the whole narrative about how Hillary actually won the election because she won the popular right, but... vote. You're I, saying that supported what? That supported the whole, this is a democracy, a pure yes, democracy. Yes, God. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Yes, of course. I mean, that goes to pure democracy. Yeah, it targets kids. It targets and it's kids just, who don't know it's the so funny. I just have this image in my head. What, what is the show? What was the game show where you had like a, a yes or no button or up button or down button in the audience? Remember? And like every seat had a button on it and you got to vote. From your seat, and it would. Oh yeah, I can't remember, but I know what you're talking about. That's the future of our democracy, <laughs> you know. And it's going to be on TV, and you're going to have it. It's going to be on your remote control, and you're just going to be like, "I'm voting for a park bench you, you in know, the you know, town I, square." I think there is a situation that that would actually be very useful if it could be anonymous, and I think that's when you're at a wedding, and the the person doing the wedding says, "If anybody objects." <laughs> Because you need an anonymous system to object. Because yes. you know half the people there object. Do they really say that, or is that just? I've I heard never heard say anybody. That. Say, you have. Yeah, I've wanted Must to be stand a denominational up thing. I've wanted to stand up, but Catholics I'd... don't get to right. nix it. I think it's like the reason being that they're married to somebody else already. I think that's the only valid. No. No, I have no idea. I don't know. They don't tell you the process. They just pose ah. the question. Yeah, right. And of course, it's like stand up now. Right. Stand yeah. up right now, right here. It's like um, okay. it's not a good, not a good to, system. I don't want to be a whistleblower in that setting. I have to squeeze in. Cute. I have to squeeze in the NBA thing. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so my husband said so yesterday i was saying like the nba antitrust thing for the game stats control which i read in forbes from recently he said that's a non-issue because it was ruled on by a lower court but it was not yet ruled on by the supreme court so i do not think it's a non-issue but he so just for the record i'm gonna say we shall see we shall see if they get it done that will be shocking because the court lower court ruled against it not against the NBA, but against that principle. So that's that was noteworthy. But what uh, is funny is the whole China thing. Oh, by the way, we are now denying Chinese officials who are linked to our alleged to alleged Muslim oppression. We're denying them visas. So we're we're escalating this war on China. But the thing about the NBA is. There were a couple of things that were in the news today, and one of them was as other corporations, this is I think the front page of the journal today, other corporations have found themselves, quote, balancing their commitment to democratic civil liberties against their pursuit of a market worth billions of dollars. Okay, so just digest that for a second. The Wall Street Journal is saying how the NBA is the first one to stand up to China because other corporations have 
found themselves balancing their commitment to democratic civil liberties against their pursuit of a market worth billions of dollars. Okay? Yeah. It's basically illegal for a corporation to balance those. A, a company has a fiduciary duty to do what its shareholders have mandated it to do, which is make profits. To yeah. Chick-fil-A can do it because it's private. They can do whatever they want from a moral point of view. But a corporate, I, and I, you know, I, I'm sure you could argue this. They do do stakeholder stuff now, which I think is totally against. Uh, it's just mixing business with religion, basically. But when I was a banker, I would look at things and say, this doesn't seem right to me. And my boss would say, you have a legal obligation, a fiduciary duty to do for your client what is outlined by the law. You can't say, well, I don't think he should make this extra couple of bucks because, you know, the other guy really earned it. He's like, it's in the contract. It's in the law. It's the way it is. This is what you write, and this is how you write it. And if you ever think there's a problem, call the lawyer and ask him. You are not here to judge ethics on the margin. You are here to follow the rules that somebody else judged on the margin. So everybody knows, and he was 100% right, and I got that right out of my mind. I would never walk a line for a client. That's the other thing he said. Never walk the line for it. Never walk a line for a client. Like, it's get the, give it to the lawyer. So you can't, and maybe I'm just taking my position from a pure, like, libertarian perspective, but you can't, you can, the commitment to democratic civil liberties is not a foundational, you know, it's not in the founding documents of corporations. Like, show that to me. Uh, and the NBA is in a different position because they are really a political organization and they have this monopoly thing going on, basically, that their owners all are kind of in this club. And so they're lauding Adam Silver, the head, for taking a moral stand. And he's, he always gets that. Whenever they criticize the NFL, they're like, but the NBA the NBA. Yeah. So he comes out, Silver comes out and he said he promised that the league would quote not put itself in a position of regulating what players, employees and team owners say. So got that? Adam mm -hmm. Silver said today that they would not put the league in a position of regulating what players, employees and team owners say. Yay. Okay. Yay, Adam Silver. Okay. Let's rewind to April 2014. April 2014, when Adam Silver said, the views expressed by Donald Sterling are deeply offensive and harmful. Yeah. Accordingly, effective immediately, I am banning Mr. Sterling for life from any association with the Clippers or the NBA. Yeah. Because his... The views he expressed are deeply offensive and harmful. So it, aren't the views expressed by the Rockets coach deeply offensive and harmful to like one billion people? Yeah. To the people who actually vote in China, who probably are not the protesters, who are clearly a minority. Well, I'm not saying they're clearly a minority. I don't know. But I think Chinese people would say that, that the protesters are the minority, which is why they're kids funded by the U.S. Yeah. So a lot of people are probably pissed at that. And... 
I'd also like to know where Adam Silver was when Max Kellerman was ripping Steph Curry a new one. Yeah. For saying that he didn't believe in the moon landing. Yeah, and there's also today there's another story about now the NBA doesn't necessarily control ESPN, but ESPN is a major promoter of the NBA. There's an internal memo at ESPN that forbids that forbade them from discussing Chinese politics when discussing Daryl Morey's tweet, the Rockets GM. Not allowed to discuss Chinese politics. Oh, what do you think about that? I'm not. I, well, they're just they're not allowed. Not, they're forbidden to. They're not allowed to mention that it's a Chinese. So communist. ESPN is is putting itself in a position of regulating yes. what employees are saying. Yes, then they they ESPN right. is very and happy Silver that, yeah. could. Oh, if Silver's going to take a stand against interest, he could go to ESPN and say, "I'm standing up for quote democratic civil liberties." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, where's the? I would like to see the hard line. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly Adam Silver saying, I'm not going to criticize people who are saying what I want them to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what the line is. The line is if they say stuff that fits with what the narrative we're supposed to put out there, then it's okay. If they if they don't, then we criticize them, maybe ban them. Right. That's, that's my feeling. But uh, <laughs> I did want to thank people for yesterday sharing the show. Share the show. Tuesday was a success. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much, and you can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform. We will talk to you all tomorrow.